0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. We hope you're having a wonderful week. How's your week going, Denise? It's good. It's been... My, one of my new favorite words. It's been interesting, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the energy is definitely interesting. And so we thought it would be fun to go back and revisit our monthly community connection show. We've been having so many guests on. It's nice just to have a time to kind of catch up with you, Denise, and our listeners. And Boy, have you guys sent us some wonderful stories and questions, so just join us around the virtual table and pretend that we're all sharing a nice cup of coffee or tea together. Would you like to start us off? I would love to. Thank you.
1: Um, I've been exploring some pretty incredible intuition lately. I met a woman a few years ago who's a clairvoyant healer, and she's become one of my close friends. She practices a combination of energy healing and Bowen technique. We realized shortly after we met that we share the same birthday, but have different birth years. Is it possible to have a spiritual connection to someone with the same birthday from a different year? I started seeing images when she worked on me. I tentatively told her what I saw, and it turned out they were messages for her. Over the past couple of years, we've worked together a lot, diving deeper into our spiritual connection. The other day, I woke up with intense pelvic pain. I could barely walk, and the feeling of my PJs was excruciating. I thought I had a UTI because the pain felt like it was in my urethra. I was shocked when it didn't hurt to pee. The pain fully went away about an hour later and didn't return at all. While in pain, I messaged my friend to ask her what I should do. She sent a message back saying, thank you for all you do. That got me thinking, am I feeling her pain right now? I finally got more info from her this evening. She was in the process of treating a client who was a rape survivor when I got the pain. It's incredible. I'm wondering how can I protect myself from feeling her client's trauma and pain? As incredible as it is, that this isn't something I want to have happen again. Also, what do you call that ability to get messages for your practitioner healer as they work on your body? Also, do you what do you call someone who can feel someone else's pain remotely that they've never met because they have a strong connection to the person working on their body? This is a very interesting question and story. Um, It really is. I mean, we've talked about this a lot that, you know, sometimes we'll connect with people and we'll physically feel uh, and we're not medical people and we don't diagnose and and all of those things, but we might feel a twinge or a pain or get a specific feeling that is uh, indicative of, of an illness someone may have or how someone passed or all those different things we've, we've talked about a lot of different times, but I mean, my, my default is I'm thinking she's so energetically connected with this friend who does the energy work that they're like, their, their auras have blended and she's picking up on what the friend is experiencing. Right. But the fact that they're that closely linked is interesting as well.
0: It is. Don't you think this could be connected to courting?
1: Yes. Yes. And not necessarily a negative way because it sounds like they're their dear friends. And I believe, again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I have people I know in my life. And if I'm talking with them, even on the phone or in passing, and all of a sudden I get a headache or a stomachache, I'll say, Are you feeling okay? And they'll say, No, I have a headache. So there's a chord there, I agree. But that's usually with people that I know and I'm connected to. I wonder if. Uh, if it's also a hint that she's meant to do more with that gift of being able to connect with the physical reaction.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And if her friend that she's courted with or aura blending, like you were saying, is working on someone dealing with that pain, maybe this listener is helping her friend to process the energy that she's taking in temporarily as she's working on healing this client. That makes perfect sense. You know, because if we're all connected and we're all one, then yeah, that's probably how it works. I think the best thing to do to protect yourself from this in the future is to just really work on your own personal energy, you know, which involves doing some cord cutting or cord clearing meditations, doing some chakra work. Working on putting up your psychic bubble around your aura every day and every night before you go to sleep, and really focusing on keeping your energy grounded. And sometimes you have to kind of tuck your energy in, you know, like just kind of pull your energy into yourself, which is an aspect of sacred selfishness where we just have to say, Yeah, I might have these gifts and abilities, but not today. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, today I've got to work on getting my own energy back. And so I think the more we go consciously throughout our day and really work on our spiritual body, as much as we work on our mental, emotional, and physical body, you can prevent this from happening in the future.
1: That's wonderful. That really covers it too, doesn't it? But
0: it's a lot. It is a lot. And, you know, of course there are, So many different things you can do. I mean, you can, uh, one of the crystals I recommend for anyone who works as a healer is black tourmaline because it really works to put up a barrier in your energy so that you can still do the healing, but you're not taking the energy in as your own. And labradorite is also good for that. So you might wanna get your friend a nice chunk of black tourmaline that she can keep underneath her massage table, for example. Okay, our next one says, Regarding your recent episode on soul retrieval, I'm a specialist in childhood trauma and have worked in the field for 20 years and in education for 35 years. So now that I've established credibility, let me give my two cents. Samantha, you said we get stuck where the trauma happens and then questioned the validity of that. I'd love to share some insight. The original or earliest trauma in our life is the beginning point of where we get stuck across all domains. If this trauma happened before 36 months of age, it has the effect of a tsunami in the brain, whereas traumas after that age can be a tsunami or a tornado, depending on intensity, frequency, and duration of the, tar- of the trauma. Therefore, we have the ability to regress to the earliest trauma in our life, depending on the energetic resonance of that trauma. Each trauma has a particular energetic resonance. When a new stressor comes into our brain via our senses, including our clairs, then our brain says, hey, this feels just like insert traumatic accident, and your brain finds the file that is resonating the same and opens it up. Then we go back to that age that that energy occurred and corresponding behaviors occur. So we are stuck at many age levels, depending on the age that the trauma happened and the resonance of the present stressor. This will dictate to what age we are stuck and to what age we regress to. Isn't that fascinating, Denise? It is. It's incredibly
1: fascinating. And it also does support what we talked about in the soul retrieval of going back and getting that piece and bringing it back.
0: And bringing so- it back, yeah.
1: Right. And and reintegrating that energy back into your life. I wasn't aware of, and we both as teachers, we've had child development classes that the impact of trauma before 36 months of age had that effect of a tsunami.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't aware either. And I really like the way she compares it to, you know, either a tsunami or a tornado, depending on the intensity, frequency, and duration of Mm -hmm. the trauma. That's really interesting. So maybe what I take from that is like, if you were in a really scary car accident at five, there's going to be trauma there, but it might not be as traumatic as if you were in a very abusive home from the age of five to 10. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So we're stuck at different levels. And what I take from this is that we're going back to that age that reminds us of the current trauma. So it's not like, I think what I was saying on that episode was that what I had read was that we're stuck at our first trauma. And she's Mm -hmm. saying, no, depending on what's happening now, your brain is going to kind of go through the Rolodex of files and say, oh, wait, okay, this is like what happened when you were seven. And then those similar behaviors you had when you were seven are going to come back up as to how you dealt with it.
1: It must have a similar resonance and frequency to bring out that, elicit that same response. Yeah. So the, whatever you're going through is hitting that. But the more and more research that comes out on this, the more and more uh, people are doing deep dives right now into trauma, trauma recovery, ancestral healing, all of those things. And I think the more information we get about this, the more we're able to finally put it to rest and say, okay, uh, it ends now. And this is what I need to do to heal, whether it's through a a traditional therapist or through soul retrieval or through meditation or through, I mean, you'll, you'll find what resonates best with you.
0: Yeah. But I I agree that it seems as we're all kind of up to say, okay, it's time to heal this. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your two cents too. Yes. That's worth more than two cents.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our next one is very quick. Why do I get so angry when visiting my dad at the cemetery? When I go, I leave there pissed off. Is he mad? Is it me? Uh, I don't think he's mad. I really don't think he's mad. And I don't think it's you. I think it's grief. I really think it's grief. And what, as a, a medium and as a person who has lost loved ones, that's, that's a stage of grieving is anger. And it could be anger about being left behind or anger that something wasn't resolved or it's part of the process. And people from personal experience and from talking to so many people as a medium, it really depends on how you need to work through this with your dad. I don't believe it's forever and I don't believe he's angry.
0: I do not either. And I I agree with you that anger is the first stage of, well, it's not the first stage, but it's, it's one of the early stages of grief. And it's a very common one. And for me, many times when I'm dealing with situations that are sad or emotional, anger is the easiest emotion it's an easier emotion to deal with than sadness. Sadness has a weight. It has a heaviness to it. Anger has more action to it. It has more, more of a protective energy to it. So, so that makes a lot of sense. I would recommend you check out any of the books by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, but especially the ones she wrote later in her life, because they get much more spiritual and she writes a lot about grief. And also from the, the point of view of heaven and being on the other side and you can tell she's definitely uh, one of us woo-woo people as she gets older. Right. So and, I'd recommend any of her books.
1: And David Kessler is also a really good resource. And you can find him at grief.com. But amazing. And he worked with, with Elizabeth Google Ross. So there's a, a connection there, but both great resources. And what I thought about is years ago, I did a reading for this woman. She's passed now, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing and she lost her husband unexpectedly. And they'd been married for, oh my goodness, close to 40 years, I think. And they had scattered his ashes in this river down by his house, by by their home. And she said, Denise, every day I go by there and I shake my fist at that river and say, you son of a bitch leaving me here behind like this. And then I talked to her about three years later and she said, I don't shake my fists and yell at them anymore, but I really needed to get that off my
0: chest. <laughs> <laughs> well, then she should have done it. And I'm glad she did it. You know, all of our emotions deserve our time and attention. Yes. Okay. Our next one says, you spoke recently on the show about guardian angels, What is the difference between guardian angels and spirit guides? I've always thought of them as the same, but now I'm wondering if they have different purposes. So in in my belief, experience, and research, angels were created before us. They are messengers. They are a different species, whereas spirit guides are They're people just like us, but they are higher evolved souls. They've lived many more lifetimes than we have, and they have volunteered to work on the other side as personal guides to different people. Usually it's someone that resonates with your energy. Maybe you guys have shared a past life before, usually not, but usually there's something in your soul plan, a challenge or an opportunity or a very important purpose you're supposed to share that the guide has also had experience with. And so he or she will say, I I know, I know that soul path. I'll, I'll help this person out. So spirit guides are people who have lived before they are humans. Whereas guardian angels are not human beings. They are a different species. And according to all the major religions, they were created before humans were, and their job is to be messengers between us and our creator. Very well said.
1: Well, I was also thinking about some people feel really connected with uh, uh, a being or, or a spiritual being or a, an animal guide, or a, so. There's there's that all that whole other factor to consider as well. But with what the way you describe the difference between an actual spirit guide and a guardian angel is 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 beautiful. It's a great great way to describe it.
0: That's true, and then there's our higher self. We have to remember that too, right? And then the people that
1: channel from the ascended masters or the higher realms, or it it just the we say this a lot too. It doesn't matter. There's always so much more that we learn when we explore this world. It just yes. get—you can never tap out, and that's one of my favorite things about juju. Is that you never—you can never be the best. You can never learn it all. You can never because there's always something else. And I love that we get to talk about this stuff with each other and also with our community of listeners so that we can say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or that doesn't quite resonate with me, but that's an interesting concept.
0: Yeah. And I, and I love that. Hopefully we model for listeners that you can learn and grow and and change your mind. When I started doing psychic teachers, do you know that I did not believe in reading reverse cards in Tarot? Really? Yeah. I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. I, cause I wanted to use the tarot just to kind of kickstart my intuition. Yeah. And then I changed my mind and I was like, well, if they're showing up reverse, there might be a reason. So I think it's important to let yourself learn and grow and change what you orig- originally might've thought or believed as well. Right. And that's a good benchmark for life too. Yeah. There's always so much more to learn. <laughs>
1: Our next one is, I'm an empath mostly to do with animals and their suffering in the world and their pain. But I also feel the emotions of the world or full moon or just about anything. Right now I'm hating the world and feeling too much. Since lockdown, I find myself avoiding going out so I don't feel things from other people. I do work full-time away from home and make myself walk at lunch and on the weekend. My mother died right before COVID and I find myself avoiding going to see my dad because I'm afraid of seeing all mom's stuff and how I'll feel. I've been told my whole life I'm too sensitive, and I know that's BS. This is who I am, and I'm proud. I just need to know how to deal with my gift. Um, first and foremost, as always, our, our apologies on your mom's passing, and especially right before COVID, because the restrictions and the lack of being able to be with people or have uh, traditional ceremonies. It's been, it's been really, really difficult for so, so many people. So please know you have our our empathy and compassion. And the world is a mess right now. I'm not going to sugarcoat it or say, oh, don't worry, click your heels. It'll be great. And as empaths talk to quite a few people, and you and I have talked about this, there are these waves of exhaustion, of feeling overwhelmed, of feeling depleted, of feeling, that it's swimming against the current all the time. So we're, we're all getting hit with this. But we're also um, I think the walks are a beautiful thing to reconnect with yourself with uh, nature and, and to do something proactive and deflect that negativity. And as far as being worried about seeing your mom's stuff. That's that's a really hard rite of passage because there's a reality to that that is very, very painful.
0: I think a lot of empaths fall into this habit of avoiding that stuff though. And Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be a balance there where, you know, let yourself avoid it for a while until you feel a little bit stronger or more healed. But at some point I do think it's important to face all of these things that you're feeling and sensing or afraid of seeing I know when I go to see my mom, I hate to see the panini maker on her kitchen counter. (laughs) I know that sounds Uh stupid, but the last year that my dad was living there, all he would eat were cheese paninis. That's all he would eat. You know, when you have Alzheimer's, like you need repetition. And so every time I see that panini, I just get very sad and teary eyed, but I still make myself go because I just feel like I need to show up, you know, for, for my mom. And it's, I'm assuming it'll get better, but it, it it might not, you know. I might always be missing my dad until until my last day. And I just feel like we have to learn to accept this new norm. And it's it's hard. All of us have had to accept a lot of new norms as a collective. And then there's all the grief and loss that that our listener was just mentioning. So it's all hard. And when we are empaths, we have this this lovely thing where we do feel too much but it's important i think to focus on the positive aspects of that because yes we feel the pain of animals and suffering and grief more strongly than other people but we also feel the beauty of a tree blowing in the breeze or a lovely cloudless sunny day like we feel the little beautiful gifts of the world stronger than than most people as well and so i think getting back into a balance of you know, when am I happy? When am I not happy? And allowing yourself to feel all the feelings and not just avoiding the negative ones. I, I just think it's so crucial to really honor all of our emotions and, and not do what I call turtling, where you just kind of pull into your shell. And, and I'm not saying that she, you know, no, to stop that no, no. now, you know, because there are times when we all need to tuck in and take a break and we need to honor that too. I just don't want to, I've seen a lot of people who have gone through COVID and now that, I don't know, are we coming out of it, Denise? I don't know. But now that it seems that we're learning to live with this, they're not coming out of their turtle shell. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like becoming a habit. Mm -hmm. And so I I think it's important for her to honor and accept where she is right now, but also kind of encourage and cheerlead herself to... um, get back out there and, and feel all these feelings.
1: And from someone who got that same message and who also is feeling pretty overwhelmed from all the energy right now, if you prefer your own company, do something that uplifts you, whether it's music that brings back muscle memory or visiting animals or writing in a journal or swimming in a, it doesn't matter what it is, but what what's going to help you feel better apart from and that's why we've we've said this a lot and, and also it's, it's become even more and more important to regulate how much you let get in from the world so if that's too much news too much media too much inundation of negativity and fear and anger you owe you can be stubborn and say no you're not going to win on this one you're not going to take me down with this negativity but you can also have be the gatekeeper for yourself and saying, I don't need to get hit with this again today.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, that's a whole nother show we should think about because I've, I've wondered that if you look at Henry David Thoreau or Emerson or even Carl Young, they all write so much about the beauty and simplicity and pure joy of being alone And yet I feel in today's world, there's such societal pressure to not be alone, or there's just this, I don't know, it's not even FOMO. It's just, oh, you like to be alone? There's like a judgment there. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you need to understand and recognize who you are. And if you're introverted and you prefer to be alone, then own and accept that too. But if you're being alone out of a way to avoid feeling the pain in the world, that's where I think... You need to think about what's going on.
1: Look at the motivations
0: for why you're alone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our next one says for years now, I've had a recurring dream about being chased by a bear. It is usually a brown bear, maybe even sometimes a grizzly, but one thing is always the same. I'm extremely scared. I run away to hide and seek shelter, and I'm never actually attacked by the bear. I've done a lot of research on what this means, and from everything I've found, it means I'm avoiding or running away from a problem in my waking life. Although there are certainly times when I can say this interpretation has been true, I usually feel like I've confronted a lot of these things already. I've also been visited by a wolf in my dreams during a very difficult time. And from that, I've learned to trust my own intuition and set my spirit free from the situation I was in. Since then, I've no longer been visited by a wolf in my dreams. However, for years, I'm still having this same dream about being chased by bears, even when life is great, like right now, when I don't feel there's anything I need to confront. Can you help or offer some insight? Well, I think it's important, anytime we have dreams like this that are recurring and repetitive, they are trying to tell us something. It's our subconscious that's trying to tell us something. And I think what you need to do is look at what does what a bear symbolize to, to you? If a bear is scary to you, then there is something that you're afraid of that you might not be looking at. What I feel from this bears, I I know a lot of people are scared of bears, but traditionally they're seen as a very mothering figure, mama bear, for example. So they're, they're very loyal. They're very committed and they're very family oriented as a symbol. And I wonder if there's an aspect of you that is not mothering yourself or is focusing on being there for everyone else, and maybe your subconscious is trying to tell you to really nurture and comfort and love yourself a little bit more. What do you think?
1: I all of what you just said, yes. And what flashed in my mind is uh, that bear is often equated with the pineal gland, and they will say that you're activating that and becoming more aware with that bear energy. And that it's about opening to the four directions. Another resource to consider would be Ted Andrews' book, Animal Speak, where he goes into great detail about bears and habitat and what they mean in cultures and metaphysically. And just see if that resonates with you as well, because it might be, from what I understand, when you tap into the animal energy as uh, in a dream or in a meditative state or in some type of a journey or, or experience, you're connecting with the energy of that. It's not an individual animal, it's bear energy. It's not one individual bear. So all of the attributes of that bear are coming in. So similar to what you said, mother bear, do you need to hibernate? Do you need to store up? There's, Just so think about it, or is it coming to you as a a messenger? The same with the wolf energy, but both very, very strong, powerful animals. So is part of it as well, taking your power back? If it's lucid dreaming, which I don't have that ability at this point in my life, if you could turn around and say, hey, why are you chasing me? Like some people can direct themselves
0: in dreams. That would be really cool. Yeah. And if you can't lucid dream at this time, she could also do that in meditation, right? Yes. She could visualize herself walking into this bear's cave and just asking the bear and see what what comes to you. Yes, that's excellent. So What's our next one, say
1: our next one, I have a question on birthmarks and angel numbers. I've heard theories that sometimes markings from a past life will show up on our bodies in our current life. For example, if one was badly burned in a fire in one lifetime, they may have a birthmark in that same location on their body in the next lifetime. What are your thoughts on that? I asked this question because I have a birthmark on my ankle. It looks like a number three. My husband says it looks like a letter in Arabic. Today, when I was applying lotion, I noticed that on the same leg, there is now what looks like a scar in the shape of a three. I've not injured my leg recently. I've had no big bites. I've not scratched or scraped my leg. There's no earthly reason for it. Do you think there's anything to this or is it just a coincidence? Well, I think there's something to it. And I I, I think I shared this story a long time, many shows ago that, um, this young person that I knew was uh, really loved, loved, loved the Civil War, had issues with his legs, always had trouble like running and, and moved all these things. It was a long time ago, but he had two birthmarks, one on each leg, each calf, and they lined up like one was on the outside of, of his right calf and in the same exact spot on his left calf on the outside of his leg was the same, like the birthmark was in the same place. And and I got this flash that he'd been in the civil war and had been shot through the legs. And it and when you thought about it, it was like, the, it would have lined up absolutely perfectly for something to have gone through this person's legs, whether it was true or not, you know, that's always subjective, but it, kind of explain that obsession with that time period, with the issues with the legs. And
0: it is amazing how things will show up. Well, there's um, a paper, I'm pretty sure you can just Google it and it'll come up. It's by Dr. Ian Stevenson, because he researched most of his life into past lives but especially birthmarks in past lives and the paper is called birthmarks and birth defects corresponding to wounds on deceased persons and Ooh. all he did was you know look at this correlation between people who remembered a past life and had a birthmark and then he would research the past life they re- they remembered and find out that oh yeah this this person says he was you know, John Doe in the 1940s, and he did die of a gunshot wound to the chest. And now he has a birthmark on his chest that corresponds to that. So I would recommend that she check out Dr. Ian Stevenson's work, because there is a lot of pretty good research that does show this correlation. The fact that it's scarring up now, I wonder you know, you and I have read and talked to so many uh, past life hypnotherapists, and now you're a past life regressionist, Denise. So you might've come across this as well. I've heard stories of people who will have issues pop up in their life at a certain age, kind of out of nowhere, and then they'll do a past life regression and find out that at that same age in a past life, they were dealing with migraines or like a person will start getting migraines in their thirties. And then they do a regression and find out that in their thirties, you know, maybe they, they died from a head wound or something like that. Mm -hmm. and It it just makes you wonder if this is the age that something happened in, in a past life. And that's why it's, uh, it's scabbing up now. I don't think the fact that it's in the shape of a number three is really indicative of anything. I think it's more just the, um, The birthmark itself. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right. Our next one says about a week ago, I had gone to bed and was tossing and turning and not able to sleep. I was getting frustrated because I had to work in the morning and it was past midnight and I really didn't want to walk around tired the next day. I was just about to fall asleep when I heard my mother groaning from her bedroom across the house. Afraid she had fallen. I jumped up and went to her room to check on her. I found her in bed groaning and trying to talk, but with slurred speech. She could not explain what was happening. And my first thought was to check her blood sugar as she's diabetic. It was dangerously low. So I called 911 and tried to give her some juice to help raise her sugar. Their paramedics arrived and they transported her to a nearby hospital, but told me to stay home and call the hospital in an hour in case she had to be transported to a larger hospital. I sat in the living room. Was so fearful she was having a stroke, going into a coma, was going to have permanent brain damage or worse. As I was sitting there, I heard a voice in my head saying, remember, you're a healer. Use it. I had just listened to your episode with Richard Webster, and I remembered what he said about the angel Metatron. I decided to get still and meditate. In my meditation, I called upon Archangel Michael and Metatron and the healer within me and the angelic realm. I have called upon Archangel Michael nearly daily as I have my father's Archangel Michael medal and I wear it all the time. I asked for a complete healing of my mother, specifically that she be returned to her older self. For a good 10 minutes, I meditated deeply and was able to focus easily. As I ended the meditation, I felt such a deep peace, and I knew she was healed. After an hour, I called the hospital and spoke to the ER. I was told she was awake and speaking, but they were keeping her for overnight observation. I immediately thanked all the angelic realm and Archangel Michael and Metatron for answering me and helping my mother. Long story short, my mother has been healed and has no lasting damage. She is her old self. I now trust that I have an ability to discern and feel imminent or potential health issues those around me might experience. I am reading and studying more about this, and I have also ordered Richard Webster's book. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your show. I live in a very rural evangelical area, and it's been hard to find my tribe and my people. But through your show, I feel connected to a larger community. Oh, thank you so much for that. That's why we do this show. And thank you for listening to that voice and trusting what it said to you and remembering that, yes, there is help out there and that within you, there is help, that the healer within you is alive and vibrant and well. That is, that is a beautiful story. It really is. And I'm glad her mom is okay and back to herself. That's so scary,
1: that middle of the night. And to get that message from spirit, what beautiful, beautiful validation. Really is. Incredible. So our next one, in 2013, I lost my father unexpectedly. It threw me into a tailspin of such grief that I thought I'd never recover. Since then, I've had so many visits from him that I now know he's with me all the time. I thought I'd share one of the most comforting stories with you and other listeners. Fast forward to the fall of 2015, my son and his present wife were planning a wedding to be held in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Even though my family doesn't live in Tennessee, the state has great meaning to us. For one, my father was a camp counselor there every summer when he was a young teacher, having to make ends meet. Secondly, I was born there, and third, we vacationed there every few years. As the wedding drew closer, I was becoming increasingly downhearted that my father couldn't be there in one of his favorite states one day while shopping for a dress to wear to the wedding I became so frustrated because the entire day had been futile in the hunt nearing the end of the day I tried one more store while in the dressing room I exclaimed, daddy how about an opinion on a dress suddenly dropping out from the last dress I was about to try on was a penny to my amazement the date on it was the year I was born What are the odds of that happening? I slipped the dress over my head and it fit perfectly. To this day, I still smile and think, wow, my dad still has great taste. I know without a doubt that my father was at that wedding. I even have pictures to prove it. There were several wedding shots with floating white orbs in front of my daughter, son, and daughter-in-law. You just can't make this stuff up. Oh, that is beautiful and so many synchronicities, but also... She asked, come on, she knows her her dad's around. She asked, and then to get a penny with her birth date on it. That fell out of a dress she was holding up. Again, goes into that, 100% goes into that category of you can't make this stuff up.
0: It's so beautiful and such a reminder that they're still around us and they always show up for those special events, especially. Yes. Oh, I love it. It It made me so happy the first time I read it and I feel the same chills all over again now. All right, our next one says, I've been working on my relationship with boundaries and I have a mantra I say that really helps me. It's today I am going to let one person down. (laughs) It makes me laugh because it feels like the opposite of personal improvement, but it's a good reminder that I can't sacrifice myself to keep everyone happy. I learned to practice letting people down from Carrie Richardson's book, What Your Clutter is Trying to Tell You. I've started saying no to things I normally would agree to without thinking. I don't have to be perfect there for everybody friend anymore. I show up and share my light when it is really important, but take care of my energy the rest of the time. I love that, Denise. So just as a reminder, if you missed it, guys, it's today I'm going to let one person down. Mm Mm-hmm. That is such a great mantra because it is a reminder. It's like the way the uh, Japanese do this. And I think the Hopi as well, where they'll stitch a little imperfection into what they're making to remind themselves that nobody's perfect. Right. That is fantastic.
1: And, And just a great, great reminder of we have to take care of ourselves, whatever that looks like for you. But just the fact, I love this line of I don't have to be perfect there for everybody friend anymore. And as empaths, so many of us have played that role. And I don't know about you, but that's wearing thin in some departments.
0: Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) My mantra might be, today I'm going to let at least two people down. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for taking time to share your stories and questions with us. If you want to share one for our next Community Connection show, you can always email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can send us a message on our Facebook page, just search Enlightened Empaths. I just want to remind everyone that my friend Deb Bowen and I are going to be presenting on dreams at the Edgar Casey Center in August And I'm going to be back there in November. So if you're near the Virginia area, would love to see you. And just as a little reminder as well, my new book, The Awake Dreamer, comes out September 1st. You can pre-order it now anywhere books are sold. And I sure do appreciate those of you who have sent me wonderful emails and little notes on social media of congratulations. Much appreciated. We hope you guys have a beautiful, blessed week filled with your own wonderful angel encounters, miraculous dreams, and wonderful synchronicities. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.